Hey guys, welcome to the Pro Writer Mindset Podcast. I am your host, Jennifer Blanchard. Today I have with me Christine and Gwenda, the co-founders of Your Hidden Mind. Your Hidden Mind is a fun daily online system that you can use for yourself to change your behavior, create peace of mind and happiness. Um, Christine, Gwenda, and Christine's husband, Brian, have developed a system based on their wealth of life experiences and observation of human behavior from over 40 years in education, fitness, health, leadership, and the military around the world in helping people find what really drives them and equally their potential. Gwenda is the researcher behind the system. She's responsible for the comprehensive research into the neuroscience of memory reconsolidation, which supports the core reasoning behind the system and working with psychologists to help people understand what is happening in the brain when they are using the system to rewire historical thoughts. It was these broad and varied life experiences across so many cultures that has enabled them to help so many people to learn to observe their own behavior and find out what really drives them. Most importantly, this is what has enabled them to develop the system a fun self-insight and to write the massive amount of self-reflective articles to trigger unconscious drivers and to help people use their own unique insights to transform their lives. Today, Christine and Gwenda are going to be sharing with you their thoughts on procrastination, self-doubt, and perfectionism, and how you are the only person and the best person to trigger your insights to alleviate these symptoms for yourself. I'm really, really excited about this, so welcome, Christine and Gwenda. Hey, uh, thanks so much for having us on, Jen. I am Gwenda, and this is Christine. Hi, everybody. Good to (laughs) talk to you. (laughs) Yeah, we're super excited to be here today. We um, have a really different way of looking at the world. We like to turn people's thinking upside down and really just kind of shift some of those historical thought patterns in the process. So, yeah, anything else you'd like to know about us, Jen, before we kick off? Uh, I would just love to dive right in and, and to sort of hear more about right. how this well, all works and, yeah. and all that. Right. Oh, all right. Well, Christine's going to read something really interesting just to get everyone... As an introduction. As an introduction, to get everyone's thinking right off the bat. So off you go, Christine. Okay. The um, system, Your Hidden Mind, is a completely new way of looking at how you became who you are. Um, Most people try to get over, get past, hide, whatever, deal with their problems. But the problem is that um, those problems are still sitting there stored away, festering. We believe you need to get behind what your problems are. Find out the reason that you needed to have a problem in the first place. So we have put together a system that you use on a daily basis, not based on thinking I can solve my problem, but based on the um, very strange idea of selecting a number. Your subconscious will work for you if you only have to select a number. When you put a number into the system, um, your deeper thought will appear on the page and you will just read what you were actually thinking about in the moment before you selected the number. This is a very curious system. (laughs) But we compiled the articles that make up the system that you will read um, and um, we want, the reason for it is we want you to think deeper into your existence. Um, Most of us think in a very superficial way on a daily basis because that is what we require to get us through each day successfully. I've got a frog in my throat, excuse me. <coughs> we spend our day oh I've got it again. Excuse me. <coughs> we spend our day at a conscious level in our executive mode. This is essential to get done all we believe we need to get done for that day. I mean we have we have time constraints, we have targets to meet. 
So we have to be at that executive mode level. Meanwhile, our subconscious has been in control of the multitude of other things behind the scenes as we dash through that day. For example, how did I get out of bed this morning? Do you mm -hmm. know, Brenda? <laughs> no? no. It? Was it my right foot or my left foot? Um, how did I get washed, cleaned, dressed, or fed this morning? Can I actually recall the, those moments that had me achieving these processes? Probably not. They'd probably just be a blur, right? That's right. We're on autopilot. <laughs> yeah, because in fact, it yep. is almost impossible to recall these details as they were acted out, as Gwenda said, on your autopilot. In other words, all these actions were driven by learned behaviors. And to learn any behavior, you need to have had an experience. No one learns without an experience. That's right. Without experience, none of these autopilot actions could have been performed by you. So our question to you is, how did you learn that vast array of actions that you repeat consistently, accurately, identically, perfectly each and every day? Only you can ever know the answer, and that is why we have compiled this system. You need to look as far back as you possibly can to discover just who you, or sorry, just what you experienced, when you experienced it, how you experienced it, and what you learned from those experiences, because that is who you still are today. You don't change. You just add experiences on top of experiences throughout your lifetime from conception. If your experiences caused you excessive cellular trauma when they occurred, that is still your reference point today. When you uncover these intense moments in time, which only you can access, you live on the edge of all you learn. But the brain is an amazing instrument, able, with your help, to locate those moments. It is also capable of giving these moments new perspective, as you have had a far longer time on earth and have gained, therefore, a wider perspective through a new way, range of experiences, you can actually shrink old traumatic moments to thereby repair any cellular damage. You can soften your drivers, we call them drivers, your fears, mm -hmm. and create a gentler version of yourself, still capable still able, still you, but a you no longer allowing historic events to damage you today or tomorrow. You need to enjoy who you would have been if you had learned or experienced a different story because you are your story. You are 100% your history. And that is so, so important, is accepting I am me, all of me, totally unique. But the question is, who am I? That's How right. did I get to be me? So there you go. That's a little bit of an introduction to get you to start thinking about how we look at the world. And how the system works is we have these hundreds of these short self-inquiry articles. And what they do is they get you to rediscover who you would have been before you'd had all this conditioning put on you. Because it's all these experiences and learnings throughout life that have created the fears and it is your fears that lead to your Procrastination, for example, um, your self-doubt. Um, another thing we talked about, Jean, was you know perfectionism. All of those are fears. Now, when you try and work on those fears, so for example, 
I saw something the other day that had about <clears throat> 20 ways to stop procrastination, sort of things like put a timer on, um, etc. Now, you can do those things, but you're not addressing the core of why you need to procrastinate in the first place. In fact, you start thinking about your procrastination, yeah. your issue, even more. Yeah, you can actually worsen it when you try and work on it because you strengthen that neural activity in the brain. So how the system works is you don't try and stop your behaviours because, as I said, you can actually inadvertently strengthen them. What we want you to do is just to use the system to read these self-inquiry articles and what they do is they jog memories from your past where you may have had slight fears based, um, that may have created fears because you did something and you didn't get the reaction you expected. And so then next time when you went to do something new, again, you were more hesitant because you weren't sure of what that reaction might be. And so what we do, what we want people to do is to understand that it's not the procrastination that's the problem. It's not the perfectionist. It's not the self-doubt. Those are merely symptoms, okay? They're just words. What we want you to do is to understand and get adult perspective on all of those little subtle events from your past that created fears, which led to procrastination, self-doubt. When you see your life differently with all the knowledge that you have today, then you naturally behave differently. You cannot go back. Once you've seen something new, you cannot take it away. It's with you. So question time, Jen. What are you thinking? What are you, what are you thinking people listening are thinking? Oh, I mean, I, I, I think this is amazing. And when I first learned about the idea that the old memories are the things that are causing you to keep having these patterns of behavior. I thought it was, I mean, first of all, just completely different than anyone else is talking about it because so often we are told you fix things from the outside, you fix things from the outside and that's not what you do. I mean, that's not how you fix things. And um, yeah. So I think that that, that's to me the biggest thing that I think is standing out as far as like what is making this so different. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, I, I, just going from what you said right then, um, people always look outside their bodies, you know, for a fix and a cure. That is purely um, how we've learned to behave. It's only a relatively new learning. A um, hundred years ago, eighty years ago, sixty years ago, people didn't have the options of looking outside. They simply died when things went wrong. Um, we. We believe putting a bandage on the outside is purely to keep out dirt and infection because the actual healing starts from the inside. When you cut your skin, um, the bandage does nothing except keep it clean and and get sympathy because everyone will see your bandage and you can tell a wonderful story. (laughs) And when you tell that story, you actually um, create more cellular damage because you relive the moment every time. But the the real healing is actually going on underneath the bandage. It is your body that is creating the fresh cells to seal the wound, to create a scab that I'm sure many people like to have a little pick at and display. (laughs) And it is under the scab where your fresh, new, healthy cells are are, um, appearing. And who made those cells but you? You are making you right now the three of us are sitting here and we are all making ourselves individually cell by cells by cell. And we believe that if you experience um, large 
sensations through your body, in other words, trauma, stress, um, stress distress, anything like that, sadness, your cells now become confused as to what they actually have to be doing in the moment. Instead of making your perfect skin cells, your perfect heart cells, liver cells, hair cells, they start making cells that are not quite right. And this, we believe, then is the key behind so many of our health issues because 95 plus percent of health issues do not occur on the outside first. Most health issues start inside often long, long, long before they even show on the outside. And we want to get to the root of the cause. Why were your cells confused? Why did your cells not have the right message to pass from old cell to new cell and therefore create a, a, you know, a, a physical damage? So we believe that we spend a large amount of our life confused and I'll read this in a minute. Gwen just yeah. has got something else to say. Yeah, and just if we relate that to the again the procrastination and, and self doubt and fears and things, what that means is if you're constantly stressed, if you're constantly thinking about those things, you're actually literally hurting yourself from the inside out. Everyone knows that too much cortisol causes damage, you know, to the body. And if you're constantly thinking about these things, you've got all those chemicals actually going through the body. And they, we know today that that actually has a physical detriment. And so this is why we really want people to take the weight off their shoulders and actually relax and not even worry about their problems. When you actually let go of those problems, one, you start to have happier hormones going through your body and so you're doing less damage to yourself. But you actually allow the mind to focus on other things. And it's a really, just a really interesting part, the point there. What they've discovered is when you are not trying to do an activity, like trying to write a letter, email, whatever it is, or trying to finish something really quickly, that is when you actually get your best ideas. Okay, So you get your best ideas when you are trying to do something, you stop, you walk away, you go and wash your hands, you go and have a cup of tea, whatever. And that's when what they call the resting state networks in the brain become alive. And that is when inspiration strikes. But the resting state networks can only come alive when the brain is in a rested state. So a bit of a tip, you know, if you're trying to get something finished and you're rewriting, you're rewriting, you're struggling with it, you can set the timer and say, I'm going to get this finished within an hour. But there's a good chance that that will actually create even more tunnel vision because you get that executive function of the mode in the brain working. What we what we recommend again, I know this is turning things upside down because people want to get things done quickly. Think of a number. <laughs> well, for us, we would take on read read one of our read one of our rats, and so you'd go into the system, you'd choose a random number, and it'd give you one of these self inquiry articles to read, and and it just instantly distracts the brain from the stress and then it actually helps you to uncover what was the fear behind that. Yeah, you can go back and complete your task. <laughs> and, and this is what you do. You actually want to be allowing the brain to relax and get new insights on what was creating the procrastination. Do that and then you'll want to go back and get your work done. Yep. So all you have to do is think of a moment, a number in the moment that you're feeling yeah. unable to proceed. Yeah. So what do you think of that? <laughs> Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that's awesome. I've been actually using your system for a few weeks now. I haven't been doing it every day, but I'm trying. I put a, finally put a reminder in my calendar to, that pops up every day and tells me to use it. And 
It's been very interesting because it definitely wasn't what I was expecting. So I was thinking I was going to go in and, you know, think about procrastination and then I was going to find something to help with that. But really, like, I will choose a number and it, and it, for, it's funny because every time I choose a number, it always sends me exactly what I know I needed in that moment. Like, it blows my mind. Hilarious, right? Um, (laughs) and then I'm sometimes shocked by some of the things that come up, like things that I didn't think had anything to do with it. Like the very first time I ever did the system, um, the first one that came up was something to do with cancer, like fear of cancer or something. And I just remember thinking like, that was not a conscious thing that I had, but I definitely had an underlying like issue with it because of my family history and just the things I watched growing up and like, it was very interesting to me because I, I wasn't expecting that. And, um, yeah, so it was cool just to see how even though some of the things, like, like there was one on pregnancy, and it's like I've never been pregnant, yeah. I've never had a kid. Like, and it was just interesting that was the one that came up for me. And, um, yeah, so it's, I just I would love for you to sort really of explain, explain that. that one. Like, yeah, why I'm is it? Uh, what? I'm going to do a bit because Chris and I are like, both like, oh, we're going to talk about this. We're very excited <laughs> with this happened. one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Now, every one of the rats, we call them rhythmic activating pros, um, they they affect you in three different ways. Either it's your life, okay, or it's a, typically a family member's life because your family are your instructors and they've had a massive influence on your learnt behaviours, um, or it's just somebody else that you know. So even if you haven't been pregnant, you know people who have been pregnant, and so you still have memories associated with it. That's right, you read things about yeah. it. And, where okay, if we go to the briefly into the science, where how memory reconsolidation works is it jogs memories, which you then integrate into the brain you have today that literally weakens the neural activity associated with the prior memory. Now, what that means is you by jogging memories, you get to change your behaviors without you actually trying. So it doesn't actually even matter per se what the memories were that were jogged. All it matters is that your memories were jogged because if your memory was jogged, there was something in yep. you, right? And so it, this is why we call it a, you know, it's a daily fun process. You can, it's like, an invisible healer, I can assure you. <laughs> yeah, you never know what memories um, and what emotions in those memories are still impacting you. And the thing that we have learned, and actually there's a, I've read a paper on this as well, is they are finding that it is not the big traumatic nope. um, events that have the biggest uh, impact on you. Clearly, they have a big impact on you, but not necessarily the biggest. It is the accumulation of all the subtle, subtle experiences and daily incidents that happen to us that create subtle fears that build up over time that actually have the long-term effect on our behaviour. And this is because things that happened when you were one, yeah. you only had one year's worth of life or a few months' worth of experience of life. So, if somebody accidentally, um, when you were in the bath um, being washed, accidentally let the little you slip and your face went into the water and you weren't expecting it, that was a 100% traumatic moment for that child because their experience was virtually nil. Um, so that person from there on for the rest of their life, if they accidentally... Um, are splashed with water in their face or whatever, um, they will now go back to the size of the original um, traumatic moment. And so their reactions as an adult, if they react when water splashed on them, look completely out of proportion 
to the actual act of a bit of water splashing on their face. To the to the person, the adult, it's not. They were they were locked back into that original traumatic moment. It's these little things that happened when we were tiny that create the foundation of our gigantic fears as we age. And that's okay. That's a really good point because you can imagine you have two people in the I don't know in the swimming pool and their experiences of being in the swimming pool are completely mm. different. And what's the only difference? Their life experiences. That's right. And once you've had one small fear, a little fear, it instantly creates a memory. So the next time something similar happens, the brain recalls that last little incident and, and goes, and, and it goes, yeah, I don't want that to happen again. So it sends chemicals through your body to stop you taking whatever the action was. Okay, so I'll, what, just another quick example is, um, if, this is a really common one that I've seen. And again, it, it, it can impact um, your audience, I think, um, Jen, because... At school, how your teachers responded to your initial writing, your initial writing of stories, your initial um, giving speeches in, in school is massive. Because again, mm. if you're a five-year-old and you write yeah. your first story and one of the other kids laughs about it, one of the other one of the teachers says it's not very good, you've only got five years' worth of experience. So yeah. for you, that is actually traumatic. And we know today that... Any incident which you perceive as traumatic actually leaves a bigger imprint on the brain in the memory formation, which is why you remember your, your negative things more than your um, happier things. Um, but what that instantly means is that five-year-old, the next time he has to hand in a piece of homework, piece of writing, he instantly is now has an expectation that the teacher may not like it again. Or so laugh. Right, or laugh. Yeah. So he's even writing the story he has now got yes. fears inside him that he didn't have the first time. Perfect. That's so right. But what we know with, with the structured reflection is that when you reflect, you turn the camera on that event. So until you turn the camera on the event, you are the child in it, and those little memories are being jogged, even though you may not you know, remember all of them, they're being jogged, because that helps you understand what you're doing. Um, but as soon as you reflect, you then stand back and look at that incident with adult eyes, and you can now see that, you know what, that teacher was just doing what that teacher knew to do at that time, and that automatically rewrites that memory and the emotions associated with that memory. Does that help? Yeah, that was that was hugely insightful, and it, it makes a lot of sense, I think, if that happened to somebody multiple times, that now they procrastinate on putting the writing out there. So it's not that they're procrastinating yeah. on doing the writing sometimes, but it's putting it out there. It's going all the way and finishing because they're having this yes. unconscious fear of what would happen when they put it out there. That's right, and for people and to see could, it. Yeah. They can only have that fear yeah. because of something that happened in the past. experience, yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. what you always have to keep in mind is, one word covers six billion different reactions. Yes. No two people procrastinate in the same way. It is 100% a personal reaction to a task ahead. And you can never know what another person actually feels their procrastination feels like to them. You'll only know what it feels like to you. And this is why the system is so important. We are getting you to discover you, not the other person. I don't care about their procrastination. <laughs> I need to care about why I behave this way. And Can I ask sorry, a question? Yeah. 
I'm actually going to get, I don't know if you can remember it, Mum, but can you try and remember we did a, um, a session with some ladies the other day on procrastination and you asked them two questions and it was really Yeah, well, it's really interesting. That when, yeah. Jen? Yeah. Okay. So, Jen, when, when you think about um, the possibility that you are a procrastinator, how do you think about yourself? What, is there a one word that you would use for yourself when you're in that moment? Yeah, lazy. How would you? Yeah, most likely. Lazy. Okay. Oh, that okay. was my word. You'd be quiet. You'd be <laughs> quiet. Okay, then. Now, when you look at um, people around you, or clients, or whoever you know, you know who who you also consider, or they might consider that they are procrastinators. What word would you say about their behaviour? Would it be something else, or different, fear. or same, or what? Yeah, I would say fear. Ah, fear, definitely. Okay, so okay, so you've got two different words going on there, but. When you said those words, which one felt more intense? The one that was related to you or the one that was related to the other people? Um, probably, I, I definitely think I have a more of a reaction to the fear or to the um, laziness thing because that was something that I was told my whole life, which was kind of funny because I'm like, if anyone who does know me knows, like I'm absolutely the opposite of lazy in most ways. Right. So, right. Um, just because isn't that interesting? One word, procrastination, even in your own head, yeah, has two different meanings depending right. on whether it's for yourself or for other people. Yeah. And this is this just reinforces why we say to people, you know, trying to work on procrastination doesn't work because it's actually different things behind the procrastination. So for you, there's jogging feelings of laziness, and then but if you're thinking about other people, oh, they're just afraid, <laughs> you know, which is almost acceptable. And it's really interesting you say that because. Um, my, if you ask me, when I got asked those yep. questions as well, I also said about myself lazy, and that was because I had a grandfather who said that laziness was the worst sin in the world. <laughs> and so, he was trying to help her in the and moment. He was trying to help but me. To the child inside Gwenda, that was um, a permanent, strong, strong, strong reference point for the rest of her life. So I might end up getting really busy getting things done so I'm not seen to be lazy but then I have other fears associated well, I had probably other fears associated with how people what people might think of my work so therefore I was still being busy but I wasn't getting the work done that I needed to do because of other fears associated mm, um, with that now, well, yeah because <laughs> now you, you just learned to you just detach yeah, from it yeah, doing that's it that's right um, so do you want me to read something about procrastination yeah, Christine, from our point of view Christine has written what we call an intriguing inspiration now this is for people to just Sit back and relax for a moment because they've been thinking, listening to us. What we want to do now is get those resting state networks backwards active and just sit back, relax, and just listen to what thoughts come to mind for you. Okay. Cool? All right, go for it. You happy with that? Yes, I'm Okay, good. so, all right. Mm -hmm. um, I procrastinate, so what? What does this mean to me? What does it mean to others? Are these thoughts the same? Procrastination is an interesting word used to cover a multitude of unexplained behaviours, repetitive behaviours, behaviours that become a habit, a habit that needs to be excused or justified, and for that we need to find a suitable word. Once the word is found, that word now becomes embedded, and so too does the behaviour. No two people procrastinate the same way. No two people feel the same about their procrastination. Each now owns the word. It is theirs. It is their comfort, their protection. 
each displays individual behavior driven by individual fear. A fear that needs to be addressed. A fear only each individual can locate, recall, or remember to release. So, procrastination, what is really going on here? Well, what a fabulous long word. And there's nothing better than a long word. The younger we are when we first hear long words, the more exciting they seem. Our curiosity is aroused, and curiosity is what drives every child from the moment of conception. Curiosity teaches us consequence that is good and bad. So when we discover we display a behavior that others consider bad, we search for a solution or excuse, and words help with that. The bigger or longer the word, the more importance we feel it contains. Lazy is such a short word. Idle is another short word, and they both feel bad. But procrastination? Hmm, such a wonderful long <laughs> word. And it sounds like something people would actually pay attention to, and that was what we wanted before we began to create our individual repetitive behavior. Imagine this. Long ago when someone told me to go and do that now, I panicked as I was too little to know how. Didn't think I could and certainly not by myself. Oh dear. I needed help then but when I asked for that help I didn't get it. Instead I was either told to Go back and get it done now. Oh, no. Or I was told to, wait a minute. Okay, um, but how long is a minute? How long? So, back I went to get it done or wait. Either way, all I did was dither or dally. I needed help. I couldn't get started, didn't know how long to wait, didn't think I'd do it right was scared to do it wrong, and if I did it wrong, what would the consequences be? Oh, is that who I still am today? That scared little kid with no solution? That frightened child in fear of imaginable or unimaginable consequences? Maybe, possibly, probably. No wonder I chose that fantastic word, that gets me attention all right, although nowadays it seems to have backfired on me. Oops, time to start a search for my driver. Time to research the core of these historical fears. Why wait any longer? <laughs> there you go. What, what, what came up when you, re when you heard that, Jen? Well, I definitely was... Um, let's see. So I had several different things. Some of them were memories from when I was in school. Um, oh. Some were just being a kid growing up and the idea of like having to do things like clean my room or do chores. <laughs> and, and then the consequences thing, you know, I remember I used to, this was really random and only happened for a couple of years or not even really, but 
if we didn't do things the way we're supposed to, we had this journal that we had to write in that said, I will not do this or I will not do that oh, my over God. and over and over <laughs> again. Um, wow. That was a very temporary phase from childhood that I remember having experienced. And, um, and so what yeah, you've, not you've in, done now, love, like is you've actually turned the camera on that. And so that's exactly what we want everyone to be doing, is to turn the camera on those little events because without you even realizing it, you've actually weakened that memory because for you to be able to remember it, as I explained at the very beginning, it literally um, weakens that neural activity because the brain's having to use some neurons to save down a new memory in the current moment. And what we want people to do is to never dwell on any of those things. Just go, oh, that was them. Now I see it. Now I see it with fresh eyes. But you will see it because of having had it raised through the system. You, you can't just sit there and think because um, no. it takes it takes the triggers of the system to raise those thoughts. You never knew before I started reading this that you were going to have those thoughts today. No. Those thoughts were triggered through um, the um, rhythm in our system. We we. At our core are rhythmical beings. We learnt rhythm in the womb. We learnt every rhythm associated with our carers, um, our carrier's um, life. And those are the rhythms that still get inside us today. And one of the reasons we have written the rats in a rhythmical form um, is exactly that. It's the rhythm that will get inside you and create your ability to access core thoughts that have driven your behaviour and are still driving your behaviour today. And that's a really good point because say, um, you know, we call it a daily practice, but it's not one of those things you have to get up each morning and do or do it in the evening. Personally, how I use it is I like to use it in the moment. I, I'm one of those kind of people. So when I'm um, trying to write a series of emails or something and I'm stuck, that's when I go and read a rap. So I'm an in the moment kind of person. But everyone's different. Some people like to read them before they go to bed or what or that sort of thing. I mean, I'm going to, I don't know, I'm going to give, share a personal experience here just from last week actually. I um, had dinner and I had dessert, which included ice cream. And I was thinking, goodness, I need to get back and turn the computer on because I need to get some more work done. Now, obviously, I didn't want to do that, but the thought that came to my head was I might just have some a second round of dessert. Now, I stopped myself. And I thought, now in the past, you know, historically I may have tried to have, I don't know, had a cup of tea or I might walk around the block or try and distract myself because clearly I didn't need a second amount of dessert. But now what I do is I go and um, go into the system and I put those three numbers in and I generate a rap. And it's quite hilarious. This is a true story. This is last week. <laughs> I put it into the system and I put in, and I even remember the number, I think it was 321. And... The rap that came up was, I can never relax. I, like you were saying, Jen, I could not believe it. It's just, how did it know that that was the one I needed to read? And I read it. And then by reading it, one, I laughed. Um, but two, it took away that stress feeling. And then I felt quite comfortable to just go and turn the computer on quite sort of, I don't know, peacefully. So that's how I use it, is to really just snap myself out of those um, tense or stress, stressful moments. Okay. Um, just you're working with writers and writers have this collection of thoughts, procrastination, self-doubt, need to be perfect. I could sum all of that up 
and the reason those are all connected um, by just talking to you about a child's understanding of simply good and bad. Um, everything in life at its core falls into one of two categories. It's either good or bad, and that's what you think when you're writing whatever you're doing. Is it going to be good or bad? That is how a child learns there are only two things, good or bad. But the question you need to ask yourself is how old were you when you learned that difference between good and bad? Can you picture tiny little babies? Just picture them. They're learning good and bad. Nothing more. There's nothing in the middle. Um, so do you think it was when you heard or the child heard things or tones that they didn't like? or if they were startled by sudden sounds or actions, or if maybe something touched their body or they touched something that surprised their senses, or smells. Smells is another thing, isn't yeah, it? Very, yeah. very important that didn't that we they didn't agree with us. Um, or if something hurt your body externally. All the time from the minute you um, are conceived, you're actually putting everything into these core groups. Um, but however you learn good and bad is not the issue, but the fact is that you did learn it, mm. and you learned it really, really well. And we understood two things. Good brought rewards, yes, mm -hmm. yeah, That's right. and bad had consequences. Yeah. yeah, That's all you're learning. And now the vast gap between reward and consequences embeds this understanding of how we should, could, or ought to behave. That's what that's yeah. what sits there all the time, along with the knowledge and acceptance of what would happen if we misbehaved. Yeah. We know just those two things. We know this, but sadly, we get stuck into a groove, a rut, and we have these really fixed um, behaviours. Um, I attach arthritis to having rigid behaviours for your entire life, and that's one of the reasons people get sore joints the older they get, that They've been behaving so rigidly um, in these ways. So um, all of these ways of behaving are based entirely and absolutely upon that old learned picture of what constituted good and bad for you. Yeah. And that's why we're so individual. No siblings are the same. No two people have that same understanding because we learned good and bad in our own moments. It's not a universal yeah. learning. Yeah. So... What happens is if you don't get recognized enough for being good, because most children are trying to be good, if they don't get what they want when they're good, they do notice that they get quite a lot of attention when they're bad and often more. It doesn't matter that it's bad attention. It's simply attention. attention. Yeah. So lots of people um, grow up going, well, no one recognizes my good. I might as well be bad. So they literally learn to tempt and you can see this, you can go to a kindergarten and you can see one or two children will be sitting there being good and the other 80% are all running around tempting some form of fate um, because we feel the attention of consequence is better than no that, attention. Yeah, yeah that, that type of attention is better than no attention at all. If you never feel rewarded, um, you might as well go and push your boundaries as far as they can go. And you know what? Procrastination is the ultimate display of tempting fate. Okay? You just think about that. What is, a, is the procrastinator really looking for? What are they looking for? Probably help, 
Yes. Or possibly punishment or attention. What are they looking for? Yeah. What do they want? So we suffer from the same shock, shame and guilt we felt as a child whenever it can be demonstrated or proven we've been bad. So if somebody tells you, you know, you're procrastinating, you're in the same shock moment of when that child was told they were bad. Yeah. And you have to work out, well, is this what I want or not? Um, we suffer, but it's only bad in someone else's eyes, while in our eyes, we are actually still trying to be good. Yeah, and get That's that That's crazy, hey? Because you know, we're, the, we're all the good person who actually would prefer reward over consequence, but we just don't get the reward. Yeah, so we go for the consequence. Get, easier to get the... Yeah, that's really key. Mm. So I guess, yeah, what we're saying is all of those things are still Creative a way to get, mm. yeah, to get attention. Mm. Um, and it's, again, unravelling unraveling it to understand um, mm. how did that, um, not, you don't have to think about it, just unravelling to all those incidents in time when you got attention mm. for a certain behaviour and somehow it's, um, it's, um, it's just been repeated again and again. Does that make sense, Jen? Well, you can't do what you've just said, Gwenda, yeah. oh. without having the triggers. And yeah, the correct. system is the one that will give you. So you don't try and think about no, it. Sorry. You just go in there, you put in your number, and one by one by one, those little things will start to shrink because you will be able to bring them up yes. and look at them, as you say. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, Anything this is else? I think, yeah, I mean, this has been great. I would love to just know, actually, a question that I had. So you have the wraps available in readable forms you can actually read them or they're you can actually listen to oh, them. Yeah. so i've been doing both and i have been doing the listening one more because i feel like i actually make the time for it as opposed to the reading one so oh, is there a yeah. difference between whether you yeah. read it yourself or whether you listen to it is there a better it's, like way to do it it's a, yeah absolutely it's up to you do you know, because I mean, how mum said at the very beginning about how we have our own rhythm, yeah. right? You know, and what I'm saying, it started in conception because you would have felt your mother's heartbeat, you would have felt different, her, her heartbeat, whether it was fast or slow, depending on how she felt. And over time, we develop our own rhythm. So, for example, I don't know why you will be attracted to some music um, more than me and I'll be attracted mm -hmm. to other music. We all have our own rhythm that attracts us. And so it's exactly the same thing, whether we um, are more audio, audio or we are more sensory, we like to read things. So personally, I like the quiet, so I like to read it. But the vast majority of people we find and actually I can explain that. like to listen. Yeah, go for I it. can explain that. Um, the, 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 um, <laughs> when you listen, um, they have been read to you at 126 beats per minute. Yes. 126 beats per minute is um, approximately is um, the 4-4, your marching beat. Um, and the, most people on earth can relate to that beat. Mm -hmm. um, so anyone who doesn't relate to that particular speed will find the um, audio quite frustrating. And they, they will automatically go and choose to read them at their own Pace. That's mm -hmm. what all it comes down to. That is a universal, universally accepted rhythm that most people can respond to. That is why we have um, that beat for all marching groups and bands and everything like that. Yeah. Good point. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> 
it just comes back to the fact we're all we're all unique. We're all different. We're all different. We all want to um, value our uniqueness, treasure our uniqueness, and so it's about doing what feels right. For yeah, for us, for you, yeah, yeah. And it's it's, it's basically really what we I would call <laughs> healing without pain. We yeah. don't want people telling their stories because every time they st- tell their stories, they go into a moment of pain, emotional or physical pain. Yeah. We need to heal without pain, and the off the in the in the long run, this creates um, an amazing amount of um, new energy. If you go home every day. The people that you're going to be meeting or who's going to be meeting you at home will know how to prepare themselves for you depending on what the day has been for you. Um, We are always in preparation um, to talk to people, to meet people. We are preparing ourselves like for an interview and all Mm -hmm. the rest of it. what happens is they have their preparation is based around what they expect or how they expect you to behave, and with this system, as your behaviour slowly soften, um, they discover that you don't respond in the way you used to. So I have a little saying: right now, I can see who I used to be before, but I can no longer be that person I was before. So. The people around you, their behaviour starts to change as well because they don't have to be so protective or defensive of you because you're not reacting the same way. So it has a wonderful bounce on effect. It also has a major um, impact on your health. Your health will improve. Yeah. Your your clients will stop get, catching um, flus and bugs and getting generally ill, headaches and all that sort of thing, skin things. Reason being, their body is at peace on the inside, making themselves peacefully without that stress. And then the offshoot of that is they start saving money. (laughs) As their behaviours change, they don't need to be buying all those things that they currently buy to soothe themselves from the outside. The soothing is coming from the inside free. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That yeah. is great. Yeah. Anything else we can help awesome. with? Anything else? Or, yeah. I, I mean, I would love for you to tell us where we can find you, how we can find more about the system, uh-huh. and, and get our hands on how to use it. So. Yeah, thanks. That's wonderful. So you just go to um, go.yourhiddenmind.com and you can sign up, and we have a free email series there. And um, so if you want some more information, you can go straight to the website, yourhiddenmind.com. Either one's absolutely fine. Um, we're on Facebook. Just type in Your Hidden Mind and you can come and say hi to us there. And There's little blogs on the homepage. Yeah, that's really it's interesting. We've got some great little blogs on the um, homepage, some fun ones. That did not, they're, not, you know, they're not the scientific. We have that too, but just some fun ones to get you relaxed, get the brain going. So yeah, and you can meet our dudes and darlings when you go on the page. You'll yes, love we've got them. some little characters to to help you. Uh, Fishy writers, they're going to love them. <laughs> see who you are. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, youheadinmind.com or go.youheadinmind.com. Either way. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you so much you, for being Jean. here. It's been awesome. And if you guys like this podcast, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher and share it with your friends. And I will catch you next time. Bye.